it just didn't start running you know 50ks or 50 mile or 100 mile races overnight that was just years and years and years of work and everybody can get out there and do this if they want to and you can always do more than you think you can And welcome to the Run the Race podcast, where we talk about fitness and faith on a weekly basis. We all need motivation, maybe to lose weight or get stronger physically or get closer to God as we all seek purpose in life. I'm your host, Jason Dennis, hoping to inspire you to run the race of life as we sit down with fascinating guests digging deeper into the mind, body, and soul. Let's do this. And welcome in, boys and girls, your host, Jason Dennis, here for the Run the Race podcast. And I have a very exciting one for you, episode number 36, with two guests. Uh, So double your pleasure here. Uh, And uh, I am officially a rat now. Uh, You may think, what's a rat? I have uh, finished my run across Tennessee I finished the great virtual race across Tennessee about a week ago, 636 miles or approximately 1,021K in 111 days, uh, May through August. And uh, the great motivation for this came from the organizer, uh, Lazarus Lake, a.k.a. Gary Cantrell. And uh, I had my second conversation with him recently over the phone, an interview you're going to hear in just a few minutes. Uh, He created this great challenge over the summer of COVID, and uh, looking forward to uh, our conversation and uh, about the next adventure that's happening. I just ran another uh, 5K alongside my son at a local park last weekend. We had to wear masks before getting into our corral. They sent off about 20 runners every five minutes. That's how they were able to do that in the city of Columbus, Georgia. And uh, also, uh, you're going to want to stick around after my conversation, for sure, with Lazarus Lake. And uh, because I have a really fascinating interview, some inspiration and motivation from uh, John Teeples, who uh, talks about the fun run, the three loops he completed at the Barkley Marathons in Tennessee, that toughest race in the world created by Lazarus Lake. Um, John talks about how he got into running, eventually into 100-mile races and bad water and four decades of running, which included running across Georgia solo. That's 262 miles, doing that solo every year for a decade, raising some great money for uh, military groups. Talks about being in the circus briefly, adventures with his family, some unique vacations like walking across England together, hiking Yosemite, paddling the Yukon, riding the length of Ireland. That's right. He did all that with his family. Uh, they were, uh, you know, ages 5 to 15. Uh, so his kids, it's, it's pretty crazy. He also has some great advice and wisdom for runners, uh, whether you're just starting out or elite like him. And, and uh, talks about, you know, uh, being in business like uh, and being in charge of a running store. So that's our conversation just a little bit later on this podcast with John Teeples. But first up, we have Lazarus Lake. If you want to hear the first conversation I had with him, which was a little more lengthy, was back in May. That was episode 26 of the Run the Race podcast. You can find all those at WTVM.com slash podcast. But I talked to him just recently about the uh, the journey and the inspiration he got from uh, people from all over the world in this great virtual race across Tennessee. And the next thing that's uh, coming up in just a week from now, starting off the Craw, the circumpolar race around the world. Want to know what that's all about? Well, Laz tells us. So, how many how many finishers? Because I think that I know that we have about what uh, nine thousand, ten thousand finishers so far. What is your expectation for the great virtual race across Tennessee at this point, with about a week or more left? We're uh, we're still kind of got our fingers crossed. We have the potential for thirteen thousand, but there's only twelve thousand and something. I, I haven't looked today to see how many are ahead of the buzzard, but it was about twelve thousand two hundred yesterday, or I don't even know if that was yesterday. It's been climbing. The number's been climbing. People are at the end and they're finally catching up. And I, I know that. So, what would you? What would your message be for people who um, still have miles to go and 
maybe it seems like it's too hard of a hill to climb. I mean, you, should you say kind of go for it and and uh, and and kind of do more than you ex- than you think you can do? The closer that they get to the end, the easy, the easier it'll be to do a lot of miles because you don't have to keep going. Yeah, it's like like being in a marathon or or a, or a fifty k when you have that one mile left. Is like you you seem like to have that extra oomph to to go forward. Yeah, and a lot a lot of them are obviously getting it now because they have been catching the buzzard catching the buzzard every day. Yeah, and I know that you know when we talked months ago, you had said that when you and Raw Dog came up with this idea, you were thinking oh, maybe a few hundred people or maybe even a thousand will sign up for it. <laughs> You had nineteen thousand or more sign up for it. So, what, what was this like with all these finishers? You know, twelve to thirteen thousand uh, doing this great virtual race across Tennessee during this COVID pandemic. Is it more than you ever imagined? I mean, has it been exciting, kind of watching it all kind of unfold? It has. It has been quite something, but it's been mostly all-consuming. the The workday goes from. When you get up till when you go to bed, when you get up till when you go to bed, you just, we've got, we're shipping awards out from the UK and Singapore and Canada and the US, Uh, two locations in the US, I guess two locations in the UK for different awards. And just sorting through the the three or four hundred finishers a day in the various distances and getting them sent out to have their award shipped is already a major deal. Yeah, and and so in terms of the the number of people that signed up, we talked about that, but it's from uh, I think seventy seven different countries. Is that correct? Seventy eight different countries, wow. or countries, or principalities, or. Uh, protectorates or <laughs> 78 different postal services okay there you go zip codes yeah so i mean what's it been like you know people have been posting about this all over facebook and social media what's it been like hearing these stories from all over the globe of, of people doing things maybe they've never done before and achieving this this great feat over the last three or four months Oh, it's just, you know, when you get an opportunity to do something like that and see that many people get that much out of it, it's it's uh, really rewarding. It uh, has been truly amazing. Of course, all the people have done all the accomplishments themselves, but it, it's still you feel like you played a part in it. Anything uh, unexpected? I mean, I know that like the workload's been a lot over the over the whole summer, but anything like unique or different that you've seen stories that you've been like just amazed by about what people have done or or, or how far they've come? Because I know there's been injuries and other things that people have dealt with. Uh, there's been so many things people have overcome. They they've been uh, evacuated twice in a wildfire and, and kept getting their miles every day. And, there's several people who have had someone die. There's been people running the race who, who have suddenly died. When you have that many people, it's just it's like a s- small city. And all the things that happened in a small city happened. Uh, the, the girl who got injured and lost a leg and, and then the first day that she that they had her on her feet in physical therapy, she did fifty three feet, so it would be a loggable distance. Wow, what a remarkable story that is! Yeah, yeah. So, so has this been for you? I mean, obviously, this is, you're able to motivate thousands and thousands of people that you know their races were canceled and they're trying to figure out. Okay, I need to have some challenge to get get me going. Has this been inspiring for you as well as a longtime runner and race director? Oh yeah, it's uh, well, I always enjoy being around the people who are new to it because they bring the freshness that you lose after fifty seven years. It's <laughs> you you you've exhausted a lot of the potential, but you look at it through the people that are doing things for the first time, and you see it through their eyes, and you remember how special it was. Yeah, challenging yourself to do something that that you maybe didn't think you could do. Um, and also, you know, uh, obviously you're, you're used to races in person. You've for decades and decades, that's been your thing. 
either participating or organizing them. So what do you, what do you think about this new virtual format? I mean, this is, you know, uh, you know, in the world of COVID, that's what, what we're kind of the hand we're dealt, right? It's, uh, I was, I was not an enthusiast at first because to me it seemed a lot like you were just buying medals and buckles, but we've got a really interactive event where the, you are, you are engaged. I mean, you enter your miles every day and people look and see where they are and you had all the fun competitions going on. I raced some poor lady for several months without her knowing it. She was way ahead of me and had the same name, (laughs) same last name. So I was gradually grinding her down and so you had the Jessicas competing with each other and the Carmens competing with each other. And the <laughs> <laughs> you get on there and there's, there's 33 Cindy's and, and people will, will write me when they finish and say, you know, they were the number one Cindy or the number five Cindy. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, and speaking of that, what, what was, what's your status? Are you, all right, were you, I know you were shooting for the thousand miles. So tell me about how Lazarus Lake finished or, or is doing in GVRAT. I, uh, I, I kept upping my mileage and, and got the thousand, I guess, last sun, Sunday. Okay. I went to a thousand and one on Sunday. And then I've had to back it way off and just do a couple of miles a day. I'm still logging, but trying to close this out with so many finishers every day. It's and then getting ready for the circumpolar race. Yeah, and speaking of that, um, you know, I know that there's still a week or more for people to to complete uh, the great virtual race across Tennessee, and some are also doing the bat, the back across Tennessee, which I guess you're not going to do that. You you didn't you need another 200 miles to complete that. I was I was trying to close in on it and see if I could get close enough, but I. I knew to do it, I would have to neglect my duties. And I really don't think I could have quite made it. If I'd made it, I would have been really beat up. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You're already beat up enough. And and now, you know, as a glutton for punishment, you and your, uh, and Raw Dog and your friends have created this CRAW. So tell me what CRAW stands for and what this next adventure holds, which is, I guess, a much longer version Yes, the circumpolar race around the world. You know, if you look at the world, you can't run around it on the equator because it goes through a thin part of South America and really not even the widest part of Africa. And and it, or maybe, I well, wherever it goes through Africa, it doesn't hit much else but the ocean and islands. So, but if you turn the world on its side and look at the way the continents line up, you can go the length of North and South America, and from the tip of South America, it's just a hop to the to the uh, the little tail sticking off Antarctica, and across Antarctica, right on the other side of that, you hop over to Tasmania and Australia, and then the very the little islands up to get to Southeast Asia, and then you cross the Eurasian continent to uh the tip of norway and you're right across the right across the north pole from the top of alaska again wow so you really can you can run it's about thirty thousand miles because it's not a straight route and it's uh, well thirty thousand miles it's 80 percent running i can't remember if the 30,000 miles is the 80 percent or if it's 80 percent of 30,000 miles we're calling it a 50,000 kilometer relay if you're in in uh the other side of the globe and if you're over here in the u.s it's a 30,000 mile relay now some people may be crazy enough or or talented enough to try to do this solo but you're also i guess it's a relay right so you you can have team yeah. teams up to 10 is that right Ten man teams, so that you can, so that it's something you can bite off. Yeah, and we have, uh, I guess, a big part of it is is the multi sport teams, people that bicycle and uh, run and swim. Of course, swimming's not going to get you many miles, but bicycling you can pick up a lot. I really am surprised no one's picked it up that they're going to bicycle the whole thing by themselves. 
So, um, and it's, uh, I believe there's 12 regions. So how many countries are you running through over the course of that, that 30,000 miles? Oh Lord. I'm not <laughs> like 28. Okay. A, a lot, a lot of countries. Okay. We're writing up a travel log on each one with a little, the geology and the geography and the history and, and then the different places you're going through. And what I should be doing right now is going through and, and loading in pictures so that they can have pictures of the stuff that they're virtually seeing. Gotcha. So this is kind of an educational and maybe, you know, you don't have to spend thousands and thousands of dollars to go travel somewhere necessarily. So, and it's $40 per person per region. So, and then I guess you'll just re up at at each, there's 12 regions and all right. So in terms of uh, the the fees and all that. And the idea is it's going to be so much fun. People want to keep doing it. I'm figuring a lot of the teams are going to take, you know, a year and a half or two years to, to do it. But if you, if you wanted to have your exercise program anyway, that's a nice way to motivate yourself to do it. You've got your little group of people that you're, that you're accountable to. Right. That you keep putting in your share and you've got, uh, you know, you want to you want to get from place to place. Strangely enough, I think I was virtual before virtual existed. Okay. Got the the maps on the interstate or on the internet. I would go and map out journey runs I wanted to do, and then I was I logged my mileage in my map. I'd keep my or in my spreadsheet where I keep my mileage, and then I just. I'd have written down all the places I was going through and how far along they were. Okay. And I, so you finish, you get to a city and you look it up and look up stuff about it. And then you, you're anxious to get to the next one. It's, it's, it's really an extra motivation to keep going out and doing your miles every day. Cause you want to get to that next place. Yeah, for sure. And when I did the transcon a couple of years ago, a lot of it was over uh, the same place. I had done virtually the same transcon as as my training, my make-believe transcon and training. And I actually recognized places <laughs> from from the map, strange intersections and, and road, you know, road turns, because I always go off and go through all the sit all the cities and go through the old downtowns and stuff. So it gives me something to look at. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I think it you can you can make it work virtually and and make it exciting, especially with a with a team. So, do you think uh, Lazarus that there's going to be races in person later this year? I mean, I know you organize plenty yourself, but We're any 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 in person or, or next year perhaps? Person now they're they're reduced in the number of runners. Gotcha. And a lot of the things that that you enjoy, a lot of the social part of it you don't get to really do which uh you know it's just until 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 there's solutions found that's just how it's going to be yeah so uh are there plans for i know that the race that that maybe you're known for most the the barkley marathons whether it be that uh, uh will that happen in 2021 or it's too early to tell it's too early to be positive, but I really expect it to happen. I think we have much more of a grip on things. What we what we may not have is people from all over the world coming because, you know, the U.S. is kind of a <laughs> – we're, we're the place no one wants to go and no one wants to have people come from. Yeah. Because we don't have much of a grip. Do you think all during this time, and I know that obviously we've seen some of the, the, the inspirational stuff from GVRAP, but do you think that during this pandemic, for, for, from a runner's, walker's perspective, you think it's been more discouraging, or you think it's people have just found like creative ways to kind of motivate themselves without having these big uh, races that everybody knows about? <laughs> well, yeah, obviously they've found other ways to to – motivate themselves and keep moving on of course i'm only exposed to the ones who are doing something so yeah. i don't know what i don't know how that translates out out of the whole world of runners Nineteen thousand is not a huge percentage yeah but but and not everyone there really got engaged in it 
but uh, well, obviously a high percentage did at 13,000 are going to finish. Some of them are just, they're way behind the buzzard and I don't think they're going to catch them, but the buzzard will stop at 634. So they'll catch him when they get there. 635. Gotcha. All right. Well, thank you so much, Lazarus. I appreciate it. And, uh, Good luck on your continued uh, running and walking. And, and actually, my guest on this uh, podcast episode, uh, well, I'll have two guests, actually. He's a, a guy who actually ran the Barkley Marathons back, in, I think, in 2012 when you guys shot the documentary, John Teeples. I'm not sure. I know you have tons of names, but he, he did a fun run. He did three loops. Yeah. And uh, he was he was featured just signing in on the documentary. But he's a legendary runner around here, Columbus, Georgia. He actually has run across Georgia solo every year for the last decade. So it's 262 miles in five days. I know I was no real sense. <laughs> yeah, plenty of those. I'm, I think I'm going to sign up for Croft. I I might just bite the bullet and uh, just go ahead and because I'm I'm running anyway. So you know what? Might as well, right? Oh, yeah, and I think uh, if, if we can do a good job with it, I think you'll find it very enjoyable. Good. All right, well, thank you so much, Lazarus. Appreciate it. All right, thanks for having me. And since my conversation with Laz, I have officially joined a crawl circumpolar race around the world team, 10 of us. I'm hoping to average about um, 150 to 200-plus miles a month. It's going to take us maybe at least a year, maybe a year and a half to complete that 30,000-mile trek, getting some medals and buckles along the way. Now to my next podcast interview for this episode. Again, you get a bonus, two of them here. Uh, This one's a lot more in-depth. Um, and uh, John Teeples, uh, looking at his life as, as an adventure uh, where he you know, has had plenty of danger and risk of failure, but a life that's been so rewarding and interesting and, and exciting, as he calls it. Uh, John Teeples has been married for 30-plus years, has a son and daughter in their 20s. He graduated from Auburn University with a degree in building science in 1986, eventually going to work for himself as a general contractor. Now, he talks a lot about his 40-plus years of running. He has run at least 10 100-mile races, including Badwater, which is 135 miles. He was first place at Penhody in 2008. And then a year before that, it included his uh, some famous races, Leadville and Western States. He uh, was the organizer for 10 years of Run Across Georgia and also a solo runner for that from 2009 to 2018. He's been the race director for the North Face Challenge and the Soldier Marathon uh, at Fort Benning. He opened businesses like Big Dog Running and Iron Bank Coffee in downtown Columbus, Georgia. He's cared for about 17 dogs along the way. He even has a trail at a local school here named after him, the John Teeples Trail. Here's my conversation with a guy who uh, has been through so many different adventures. I'd like to welcome to the podcast uh, the one and only John Teeples. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, so we're going to talk a lot about your adventures and running and, and life and with your family all around the world and as a businessman as well. Um, but I want to get to know you a little bit first. And, and one of the first things I wanted to tell you, since we did talk to, to Lazarus Lake, who you know well, a race director of the Barkley Marathons, uh, back about, I think, eight years ago, you participated in a one of 40 that year to participate in the Barkley Marathons in Tennessee. So uh, tell me about that experience. Was it um, all you expected it to be? Was it extremely challenging for somebody who's, I consider to be elite in the running world? Uh, it was beyond challenging. And, and, you know, I got to that through years and years and years of running. And, and we, I started running these longer distances maybe 15 or so years ago. And, and, and started seeing it was very interesting to do and fun to do beautiful sights and big challenges and and how I got to the Barkley was kind of a interesting story you know basically I started running these 100 milers and then at at certain point in time I decided I wanted to try to run the uh, Death Valley race called Badwater and uh, I sent my entry in one time and the guy looked at what I had done and he said you just don't have enough, you know, tough, big races on your resume. And so I said, okay, well, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to find, I'm going to Google the 10 toughest races in the, the country or the world. And I'm going to try to start picking those off. And then 
go back and reapply to Badwater. So I did reapply to Badwater after I'd maybe run four or five of the toughest, biggest races in the country. And after I did that, and I said, oh, wow, you know, I've done some of the toughest, biggest races. I've run Badwater. So what else could I try? And, and, and I met a friend of mine that had run this uh, Barkley, and it just sounded absolutely nuts. And so... Uh, <laughs> He was running it that particular year, and it, really, he was a friend of a friend. And so uh, I said, i got to go up there and see what this is all about. I just can't believe that there's something that difficult. And, uh, you know, I drove up there one weekend while they were running it, probably 10 years or 12 years ago, and I, I watched this guy and these other 40 people participate in that event. And, again, it just was inconceivable. I cannot explain to you how difficult it is. And, and when I went and watched it, I still couldn't believe how difficult it was because, you know, it looks a lot like any other area that you see in the foothills of Georgia or Tennessee and just looks like rolling mountains. And, and the only thing about it is it's just they're perpetual up and down, up and down. Every mile you're going up 1,000, 1,500 feet and back down 1,000, 1,500 feet. And, uh, some natural obstacles, right? Lots of natural obstacles. And there's no real route that's established. You know, it's not like there's flags in the woods. And so I said, well, once you probably run it once, you can probably figure out and figure out where you got to go. Well, that therein lies the challenge. If, you know, if you had some flags that you had to follow, it'd make it pretty easy. But, um, there are no flags. That's part of the race is you've got to You've got to find your way through the woods to these different book locations and then, you know, find your way to the next book location. And, and it's it's very doable when the day the day's, uh, the sun's out and then you've got daytime. But then all of a sudden night comes down and, and no daylight. And so you've got to use a compass and a map and figure out how to go. So uh, after I watched this guy do it that at one time, I thought about it for a year or two. And then finally I sent an entry in. And I don't know if I got... Uh, selected the first time I sent an entry in or the second time or what, and I don't even remember how many times I sent it in, but, <laughs> but anyway, I got selected and I had a chance to go out there and run that event. And as uh, I said earlier, it's, it's really hard to put into words how difficult that is. You know, and you think about, um, you've got some of the most premier athletes in the world in the, in the absolute world running this event and basically a loop. There's five loops when you're, you're running this event loops around around 25 miles and, and, and most people are competing, uh, completing a loop in somewhere between eight and 12 hours. You got 60 hours to complete the race. And if you don't finish a loop within 12 hours, you, you can't keep going. And so you think about that, you know, some of the most fit elite athletes in the world, it takes some eight to 12 hours to run 25 miles when most people run a marathon, you know, elite, you know, where you fit people running them in about three or four hours. So, yeah. you know, that gives you an explanation about how tough and how difficult it is. The the the, uh, the mountaineering or or the navigating it doesn't slow you down that much. It really has to do with how much is up and down, up and down, over roots, over rocks, fighting th thorns, going through creeks, going through brush, and stuff like that. And then, you know, that particular time of year is, is a real interesting time of year. It's generally right around April first or April Fool's Day, and. Uh, you always have weather and extremes in the same weekend. You know, usually, you know, you'll have daytime temperatures that are in the, the mid-70s, 80s, and so it's just hot as blue blazes because it's humid again. And then all of a sudden, nighttime, you'll get rain, you'll be frozen. You know, it, it'll be below freezing at times when you get up in those mountains. So, A frozen you know, head state park, right? Exactly, exactly. And, and you're required, you know, basically you... There's no supplies out on the course. They put water in two places, you know, and you get, you, that's not enough water. You just pull all the water from the creek uh, or creeks. But uh, but you anything you need, you know, if you want to stay warm, you want to stay dry, you want to change socks, you want food, you want anything, you want Vaseline, whatever it may be, you've got to carry it on your back. And then you, you run through this camp and you can resupply. But when you, once you leave that camp, you can't get, food or aid from anybody <laughs> else and you if you run out you just you run out so yeah. uh, quite an interesting event and uh glad to do it one time not not really sure i'd ever want to do it again but i'm glad <laughs> i tried and uh you did, the, you did the fun run which is completing three loops which is impressive that for some people that's the the goal right yeah 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 absolutely just because that 
you know, that uh, five loop event, you know, that's generally, a, I think most of people, 58 to 60 hours, you got 60 hours in with which to, to complete the race. And, you know, that's going pretty much 60 hours without sleep. You know, that in itself is difficult. Uh, then you add the, the physical, you know, strain that you had for running, you know, for two and a half days. It's just beyond, you know, most people that get into that last loop, they're, they're starting to hallucinate and stuff like that, but, uh, and, <laughs> and it's completely and, depleted. And then mentally you're having to find the book with the number on it. And, and that, that's kind of proving that you've been to those 10 or 11 stations, right? That's just that's an right. extra thing on top of your running. You that's know? right. That's right. And then if you, you gotta be very careful because once you find this book, you gotta pull a page out and you gotta put that page in your, in your, your backpack and make sure you don't lose it, you know, because if you, <laughs> you do go to all the stations and you drop a page back there in the middle of the woods, then you, you you can't go on the next loop you're out so yeah, yeah so it, it's it's extremely taxing you know physically and mentally because you know you got to always keep finding your way and and the thing about it is when you start the first lap you know you may be going clockwise but when you start the second lap you got to go counterclockwise and then you go clockwise and you go counterclockwise and so you know what may look familiar going clockwise you turn around and do it the other way and it's dark it's just even tougher to find your way when there's there's no trail now part of that race does actually run on trail yeah but a lot of it runs you know from point a to point b straight up this hill and point a to point b straight down that hill and you just got to make sure you can find that spot at the bottom of the hill or the top of the hill or wherever it may be so. yeah well very impressive and i know that you were featured uh briefly at, at kind of the check-in table on the uh the barkley marathons uh documentary which i think used to be on netflix and now is on amazon prime so uh you've you're, I guess, somewhat famous from that yeah. as well. <laughs> <laughs> not really. I just, you know, I went out there and did it and didn't finish. So I'm a, I'm a non-finisher. Gotcha, know? gotcha. Well, um, I wanted to get to know you a little bit before we kind of talk about some of your uh, running and business and family adventures. Uh, first of all, we have kind of a fast forward we do on the podcast. First one is, what is your job description right now uh, at work and also at home? Okay. So at work, I own a number of different businesses. So I own a construction company, uh, which we do commercial construction and renovate and add on and, and do all sorts of work downtown. Uh, second, you know, I have a retail business, which is Big Dog Running Company. And then third, I got a restaurant, which is Iron Bank Coffee. And then fourth, we own some real estate that we develop. And so we manage and develop that real estate for, and mainly most of that's all downtown and old buildings and stuff like many buildings that most of us have frequented, you know, for restaurants or for, uh, for apartments and stuff like that. And, and then uh, at home? At home, uh, I'm, I'm probably mainly task at entertaining and annoying my wife <laughs> and, and she'll tell you uh, I probably annoy her more than I entertain her but I try to keep her uh, uh, pleasantly entertained and so uh, and been then married almost 30 years 30 something years 30 and, something yeah okay. and then three dogs at home and a, and a few cats as well <laughs> stays busy um I know that obviously you've run uh, many you know 100 mile races and, and marathons but what do you do nowadays to stay physically fit is anything in particular like a weekly routine routine uh basically i run six days a week get up and basically and uh, predominantly run every day at five o'clock in the morning and usually that distance varies from you know a few miles up to maybe 10 or 15 miles a day and then on sundays my wife and i go out and hike usually five to ten miles uh, a day and then a little bit of exercise as well just you know kind of uh, body weight type exercises and the great thing about running is you get to meet folks and so through the years we've developed a little network of friends that we run together with and we usually run three or four days out of the week and there's anywhere from 10 or 15 of these people that come in and out of that little running group and any morning we may have three to seven folks turn up and so we, we, we it's a it's a real social hour as well as uh as a as a time to get some good exercise in yeah some good fellowship for sure um do you have a certain like um you know spiritual or inspirational motto or mantra that you kind of tend to live by maybe from your past or, or in your present yeah i kind of think of three things when i reflect on that it's not anything in particular it's just kind of a mindset you know number one be yourself number two be kind and number three just 
never give up. Just keep keep moving forward, you know. And, and in these events that we've done and things that I've done, you know, you always got to keep moving forward. And you always got to figure out a way. There's all sorts of obstacles every day in running and work and home. You just got to figure out a way to keep moving forward. Yeah. And the well, last of the fast forward is uh, what is something unique about John Teeples? So John Teeples back in college, as we talked about earlier, took a year off school and, and joined the circus. And uh, <laughs> That circus was a small one-ring circus that traveled the country, and basically every year they split the, the every three years they split the country into three sections. And one year was West Coast, one's Midwest, and then the third year's East Coast. And so, I did a tour with the circus on the East Coast, and we traveled all the way from um, Massachusetts down to Florida, going to colleges, universities, you know, state fairs, shopping malls, and. It was a interesting life of just hard, hard work, you know, and uh, on the road at all times, having to be extremely resourceful and, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, 15, 16, 18 hour days, day in, day out for weeks on end. What were your talents or routines that you did in the circus? So, you know, it did a number of things. There was about six or seven of us in the show and we had more animals than we did people. And so... Uh, the performers, you know, what I did is I juggled, I cycled, I walked a tightrope, I did acrobatic type stuff. Then I, you know, I drove a truck, I set up, I tore down, you know, helped with whatever needed to be done. And then, you know, we had a, a small horse, a small bear, we had many dogs, we had a couple monkeys, a few birds and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, I slept in a truck that was... Uh, was about the size of a bed you know a small bed yeah. you know a single small bed and it had maybe a foot or two uh little hallway in front of it and then on the other side this little plywood partition were all the animals and so i slept every night with the bear the horse the monkeys and all that kind of stuff so <laughs> uh, i come home once or twice a year to visit my folks and my clothes kind of had that odor of you know animals and so <laughs> say, well you've been sleeping with animals for a long time yeah that's kind of like how it is in college sometimes too right? yeah, that's right and you went back and finished your uh building science degree at auburn university after the circus that's right, right yeah went gotcha. back to school and realized how good and how easy school was you always thought when you were in school it's just life was tough and you get out there in the real world and you do some stuff like the circus and you realize wow if I just apply myself half as much as I've applied myself to the circus school is really easy and sure (laughs) enough I went back and breezed through school making you know very good grades and got through there in no time but in the the first two-thirds of that college career was just kind of muddling around not getting much done and and not making very good grades (laughs) well I I know that you know we wanted to talk to you some about your uh, your running career I know it's I think it's been four decades give or take of running different events and just being a runner Um, and one of the things that that I had the opportunity to participate in one of your events run across Georgia uh, run for the heroes which went on for a decade uh, ending just a couple years ago um, in fact, I've got the shirt on right now for the the last year, the uh, end of the road. Uh, I think it's 262 miles from well, it ended up the last few years being from Savannah to Columbus. And um, you helped organize that event, uh, benefiting local military causes. So, but you um, and, and you know, and, and maybe a few others as well, uh, ran that solo. From I guess started from Columbus to Savannah, then the last year Savannah to Columbus, the whole way across Georgia by yourself. Tell me about that solo event for you, because was that something that you were like excited about? I mean, that's you're averaging about 50 miles a day for five days, right? Yeah. So you know how that evolved was you know when I started these running these long races back in the early 2000s, mid 2000s, and, and I've run a lot of them. And I think I'd already run most all the big events plus that Badwater event. You know, I got to a point where I got a little tired of just running these 100 milers and I kind of wanted to do something different. And I was on my way back from Savannah, uh, taking my son over there to, to look at that SCAD school over there. And uh, I was driving back and I just kind of had this brainstorm that said, you know, Instead of running this 100 milers, I want to run across the state of Georgia. And as I uh, uh, I rolled that out to my, my friends that I ran with every morning, I said, you know, I want to run across the state. And this is back when we were having, you know, a lot of this uh, military action over in the Middle East, you know, after 
9-11 and whatnot, and, you know, a lot of things uh, impacting the community and families and stuff. And I said, you know, I want to do something uh, with this to, to help, you know, the military in one way or another. So as we started talking and, and, and brainstorming a little bit, one of my friends mentioned the, the House of Heroes, and I, I wasn't even familiar with them at that time. And so uh, it seemed like a good fit. They were helping the military, and uh, it had construction because they do repairs to houses. And I said, well, pretty good fit. You know, uh, this does something for the military. And, you know, my background's got, you know, repairs, maintenance, and construction. So, you know, I knocked on their door one day, and I said, hey, listen, my name's John Teeples. I'm going to run across the state of Georgia in the end of May on Memorial Day weekend. Would you mind if I use your... Uh, your your group as uh, as the folks that I'm going to promote and maybe if someone wants to give you some money I'll donate it to you and they looked at me a little crazy <laughs> you're going to do what and, uh, and I said yeah I'm going to run across the state and, and they said okay and walked me watched me and walked back out the door and we didn't talk a lot for the next couple of months I did some training and then as we started getting a little bit closer I reached back out to them I said this is really going to happen this is what we're going to do and how we're going to do it and uh, long story short that first year it was just me by myself and my the friends that I ran with they they supported me by running with me while we we trekked across the street uh, across the state so it was me my wife my daughter and you know all these running buddies and basically you know, four, three, four days later, we, we got to the end. We In this particular year, I dipped my toe in the Chattahoochee, and I ran all the way out through Savannah, out to Tybee Island, and then ended up dipping my toe or jumping in the uh, Atlantic Ocean. So <laughs> after we did that, that was the birth of the event. That we said, okay, let's let's do this again. Let's figure out other ways to do it, get more people to participate and, and invite teams and stuff like that. And again, the rest is kind of history. The the next year, there were maybe four or five individual runners, four teams. And, you know, we, we raised, you know, from the very beginning, ten or $15,000 a year, and then it just slowly started growing to thirty, forty, fifty, hundred thousand. And I think the last year we we raised about two hundred thousand dollars. So and this is for House of Heroes, which you know they they do renovations free of charge for like uh, maybe a, a veteran or a military widow, public service. Um, you know, uh, somebody who, who gave, you know, to our country or to our city. And so, uh, and, and they, they do that round, round the year. It's, it's yeah, a great right. organization. That's right. And then we added, uh, the, um, Mercy Med folks in towards tail end, just since, you know, want to have a little bit more reach and, 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 and do good things for kids. Cause, because I think kids, you know, super important part of our, our life, you know, and so uh, we would love to help them out as well. Back to your comment earlier, you know, when I first started doing this, you know, the, the first challenge was just to see if I could run 260 miles. Yeah. And, and so in, fi- it, in five days or a week, it, it, that first go, it was four days. Wow. So, and for the first, um, you know, six or seven years, I always ran it in four days or less. And as we, as I started going, I, you know, wh- one of the reasons I always pursued these events is just to, you know, set a challenge, a goal, a bar, and just see if you could get to that, you know, see if I could get to that. Or, and one of the takeaways from maybe this, this podcast is, you know, see if I can get that. Anybody can get to anything they want to, if they figure out a way, they focus on it enough. And, and, and you know, you, you can run as far as you want, as fast as you, to a certain extent, as fast as you want, you know, within reason, uh, if you just dedicate yourself to it and, and, and figure it out. And so, um, you know, as we started running the first couple of years, it was always about four days. And then I said, man, I'd like to try to do it in three days. Could I do that in three days? And I said, in order to do that, you know, we're going to have to make sure that everything, you know, behind the scenes runs seamlessly where I don't, you know, we've, we've got food in the right places. We've got drink in the right, we've got the right food and right things and so forth. So one year I got up there, and so, you know, 260 miles means you got to average about 80-something a, a day, 86, yeah. 87 a day. And so I started, uh, I was thinking about it this morning. I think I started at like 1 o'clock or 2 o'clock in the morning one day um, from the Infantry Museum. And I got about 88 miles in the first day, about 72 in the second day, and then ended up having to run about 100 on the last day. 
and I didn't quite make 72 hours did in about 75 or 76 hours so but that was a that was an extreme challenge but it was fun you know just seeing if we could do it and then the, the next thing that through the years as we started getting further down the road I just started running with other folks and just tried to make sure they could get across the state of Georgia and then the last really interesting thing I did I said you know I'd like to see if I could do this thing unsupported because you know you hear about people doing something like this and and, and it, it's the only reason the only reason i've succeeded in being able to do that is because of the people behind me sure. and mainly my wife and, and my <laughs> kids okay so my wife and kids the only way i had any chance of ever making it across there in three days was just her crewing and her being her attention to detail and her hard work She's uh, she's Saint Melissa, right? That's right, absolutely. <laughs> and it's always the year of Melissa, but it never ends up that way because I always got her distracted on other things. But uh, but uh, you know, so all these years, it's always been relying on everybody else. And so I said, you know, I'd like to see if I could make this one time relying on nobody but myself. You know, and and, and doing that by pushing a stroller. So. Um, I did do that a few years ago, and, and a friend of mine decided he wanted to go with, and it was George Garola. So the two of us, you know, relied on everything we needed, everything we were ever going to need or ever wanted that we put in this stroller. And then we, we started from here, and we we pushed that stroller from here to uh, Savannah. And, and that's a lot of fun. That's, a, that's an adventure on yourself because you don't know where you're going to stay. You don't know where you're going to get food. You don't know where you're going to get water. And you just got to always figure out a way to get those things done. So ha have money with you and then you, you're the the stroller strong dad right? that's right that's right so <laughs> so anyway the the run across georgia it's been a lot of it was a lot of fun and and it's good to do and and it was time for me to move on and 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 kina yutz has picked it up and then can try to get it continued once we get through all this covid uh business and i don't know if that's going to happen this year or next year but uh I'm excited for them to get out there and get the thing rolling again. Absolutely. Uh, and what are, you know, any other, um, for you highlights, because you talked about, um, you know, bad water, that's 135 mile or you finished ninth in uh, summer of 2012. You, you finished first and then Penhody hundred miler in November, 2008. So that was about a dozen years ago. And you've run Leadville, Western States, Bull Run was one of your, I guess, maybe first longer, longer ones. And as a 50 miler back in April, 2006, um, you know, it's, um, well, I guess the first question is what for you, how do you, how do you do that? How do people are, people may be listening and saying, how do you run? I mean, running a marathon's hard enough for the average person, but how do you run a 50 mile or a hundred mile? Or is that more like you have to really train correctly and learn from other people? Or do you have to have maybe some of the natural raw ability and talent or mentally or all the above? Well, I might get back to that by starting from the very beginning sure okay so the very beginning when i was growing up in high school i basically uh, i participated in wrestling and tennis okay. and and i always liked to run and uh which is which is you're in the minority probably with that. that's right, right. well and, and but back this is in the 70s and so running wasn't that wasn't really in a big boom yet and you know a long the longest race people thought that you were running incredible distance was the Peachtree road race at 10k you know, they said if you ran 10k they thought you were nuts and so you know if you ever ever, ever ran that you were wow you were a, a fanatic and so <laughs> You know, as uh, but when we ran a little bit for high school sports or just local athletics, you know, always kind of liked that a little bit more endurance aspect than speed. I was never someone who could race you in a hundred yard or two hundred yard dash. You'd smoke me, but if you gave me a chance to run a mile or two mile, man, I could keep right up with you. Yeah. So always liked to run, and always thought about running in high school, but. Back then in high school, you know, what you ran was cross country. And, and that whole concept, those whole two words right there, cross country, just freaked me out. You know, because <laughs> I, cross country, man, it's just way too far. I get across the football field. <laughs> yeah, is, is exactly. <laughs> you know, I was just saying cross country. That's a long way. I can't go that far. And uh, I'd hear about these guys that did run cross country. And they say, oh, yeah, we're running. We ran from here to there, here to there. And 
Uh, I said, wow, that's just forever. I can't try. I don't like to drive that far. And so, <laughs> so anyway, never ran a whole lot in, uh, in high school. As I got to the end of high school, I did start running a little bit on my own. And, and when I started running a little bit on my own, I just started setting some small goals. And, I, and, and basically what that was in those last two years of high school, I did go out there and run the Peachtree Road Race. And my whole goal in the first couple of years of running that Peachtree Road Race was back in those days in the 70s. You would get your name in your paper if you came in the top 200. You know, I think nowadays, or they used to put everybody that participated yep. in, in the Peachtree Road Race in the newspaper. And, you know, in the 70s, the newspaper was a big deal. <laughs> nowadays, the newspaper ain't much. But, <laughs> but but to get your name in the Atlanta Journal or Constitution back in the 70s for being in the top 200, that was a big deal. Yep. So that was my goal. And I think that last year that I ran it in high school, I got my name in the paper, on the, and, and I don't even really remember if it was top 200 or 500 or whatever it may have been, and that was a small race back then, but then I went to college, and then slowly in college, I just, uh, I, I started meeting some people that run, and I, I looked around at people that exercise and ran, I said, you know, they're pretty happy people, they're pretty healthy people, they're interesting adventure type of things, and I said, you know, I'm going get, to get in here and give this a go, and just start running a little bit every day, and then a little bit every day led to, okay, now I'm going to start trying to, let's run a 5K, let's run a 5-mile, let's run a 10K. And through school, I continued to do that. And as we got out of school, I started running some a little bit longer distances. And as I got older, I said, okay, I'm going to start trying this and trying that. And my whole point, getting back to your, your question, is how does somebody do that? Basically, anybody can do it. You just get out there and get started and just make small steps and keep moving forward. You know, small steps and keep moving forward and stay on it. And and I think where most people get discouraged is this really is not going to happen instantaneously. If you're expecting to be able to go from maybe not doing a whole lot of running to maybe running a 5K and, you know, well in in a short amount of time, that's just not going to happen. You just, you got to be patient. And and it's the persistent consistent you know routine of getting out there when you're tired getting out there when it's hot getting out there when it's cold getting out there when it's when it's wet that then you know starts relying on results and 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 same thing with me you know i just didn't start running you know 50ks or 50 mile or 100 mile races overnight that was just years and years and years of work and everybody can get out there and do this if they want to and you can always do more than you think you can you know once you, you know, there may be some physical limitations of uh, maybe weight or mobility, but once you get past that, then most anybody can do anything they want. And, and it's just that keep moving one step ahead, one step in front of you at a time, and, and then you can get out there and do it. Yeah. And then I know, you know, obviously, we talked about run across Georgia, and you talked about Badwater, that being 135 miles. Um, back in and so how old were you when you did the that one in July of 2012 oh let's see I'm 56 now so take eight, 48 48 and, yeah. and the interesting thing about Badwater that particular time when they held the event that's you know through the most grueling part of the year they start you at six in the morning in Death Valley and so it's a hundred and something or 150 feet below sea level. So how do you do that in that heat and, and, and mentally do you just feel like giving up and like, you know, 100 miles in or 50 miles in? Or Well, <laughs> here's one thing, one takeaway from from running and, and these different events and for anything is you got you to gotta train in the conditions in which you're going to to race or you're, you're going to participate and so you can't replicate dry heat in Columbus Georgia you got wet heat so uh and training in wet heat really doesn't translate or transition well into running and racing in dry heat you know yeah. it's not like you're going to be able to race better in dry heat because dry heat's a whole different thing you got to get your body used to it so what I did to help replicate that you know is I train all I could out there in the wet heat but then I go spend hours in a dry sauna getting used to you know I, the the y had a dry sauna down there and i would go in there i began you know 20 minutes a day you know just sit in that dry sauna get used to that sweating and dry heat and then uh, 
I worked myself up to an hour a day sitting in that dry sauna, and I have to bring a gallon of water because you're just sweating bullets. Yeah. And, and so, you know, you replicate that. And so, you know, you always try to kind of emulate what you're going to be doing so that you can get out there and get it done. Wow. And, you know, you also, you have um, a wife and, and two kids that are, that are grown. And so, um, you know, talk about how um, you, you told me that you have done some treks, some unique family vacations, I guess you want to call them that, from when they were like, you know, young and teenagers. You, uh, you walked across England together, rode the length of Ireland, climbed the Grand Teton, uh, hiked Yosemite, paddled different places. So, I mean, what was, was that something that you, uh, was that like purposeful as a family that like, okay, you know, uh, we may, you know, may go to Disney World, may go to the beach, but we're going to do some of these things that are like just like, because that seems for, for maybe the average Joe or Jane, it seems extreme, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) And, And my kids will say, you know, uh, they had different comments, and as they've grown up, they, they, their reflection on that's been, you know, positive and negative. And, and, and for the most part, I think they look back on it and think it's been a great, great experience. But, you know, my kids never did go to Disney World. <laughs> and we went to the beach maybe a few times. But then these other uh, adventures, you know, were, were opportunity to see different cultures, different experiences, different, you know, landscape. And, and so... I think there's a ton of, of learning and growing when you go out there and, and see those things. And then, you know, what we did, it gave them a real sense of accomplishment. You know, they get, you know, go out there and walk, we walked 212 miles across England. And so, you know, you, you tell a 12 year old, we're going to go walk 212 miles and they're good. <laughs> they really don't want to do it. But then once they get done, it's something for them to be proud of. Some say, hey, I set my mind to it. We did some training. And we prepared and we, 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 we stay focused and we, and we got out there and did it. And uh, But how much do you hear, you know, are we there yet, Dad? Oh, yeah. <laughs> there, there was a bit of that. But then we, we, we made them walk behind us if they said something like that. Oh, so, there you go. Uh, Discipline. But, yeah. yeah. But, you know, it was just it was good opportunity for them to kind of see the, see the world that way. Absolutely. And, and I guess it's, you know, like it's adventures because that is for you, is that something that is important for you? You feel like there's an inner like hunger for adventure and, and doing things like seeing the beautiful parts of the world that you may not get to see if you're like going to Disney World, perhaps. Mm-hmm. It's that, you know, it's seeing all these things that in real, because sometimes when you're in Disney World, you're seeing the, uh, Maked up version of you know Italy exactly. So you get get to see it and feel it in first person. The the other thing is you know it teaches you a lot and, and you know because when you're out there doing these things, nothing ever goes perfect. It doesn't matter what you do. It's work, school, life, family, and when you're out there uh, doing those things, you know you're going to have obstacles and. and many of those obstacles can stop you dead in your tracks, you know. <laughs> and so, uh, and some of those obstacles are just, you know, things that you have no control of. Some of them you, you do have control of, and some of them are dangerous. Some of them are not so dangerous. But, you know, being able to overcome those obstacles, you know, and that that difficulty in looking back makes everything a little bit more exciting and interesting. It's a lot more fun. If everything was easy, you know, you wouldn't keep walking 212 miles. But every night we, we ended up, you know, in a different little town above or wherever it may be. You met new people. You did different things. It was just really cool. And then, you know, sometimes we'd be out there and all of a sudden, wow, we're paddling a river and, and that river is just taken off in power and strength and slammed us against a wall and we're taking on water and we're going down and it's like everybody's looking at us up, we're about to go under and we all jump to the other side of the raft push that raft down and it shot out of this pinned in raft condition shot us down the river and it was scary as anything but you look back on that thing well we survived it and well, it was pretty exciting. It's something to tell stories about. So. Yeah, yeah, for for me, for for grandkids and many years to come for sure. Yeah. Um, and then you, you know, kind of uh, one of your main roles now is obviously as a businessman and contractor, and and uh, you know, you uh, over the course of several decades been able to build, you know, businesses, churches, jails, all kinds of different things. And one, I know that uh, I guess a, a decade ago, I think um, you um, helped. Uh, start a running store here in town, uh, not necessarily a chain. I know it's now connected to Fleet Feed, but it was Big Dog Running Store. And um, tell me about, um, you know, what 
you know, you, you've, you're able to help runners through that, and, and you also teach a good form running class, I think, once a month, give or take. What's, what's it been like? What are, what's some advice that you've given runners over the years and people that are – because you can do it all shapes or sizes. What, what have you learned from operating this running store and helping those who, who want to, you know, get better at 5Ks or whatever else? A uh, couple pieces of advice that I can think of off the top of my head. Number one, you know uh, – Running is a process, you know, for each individual, a process of trial and error, you know, and, and so there's not, there's a, there's guidelines on how to train, how to do things, but you got to figure out what works for you. You know, for me, what I drink, what I eat is, is going to be different than what you may drink and eat because, you know, our bodies are all different. So it's a process of trial and error. And, and uh, then the other thing is, you know, like, at our store and in any store, you know, there's all sorts of things out there in that world that'll make the running process easier. You know, it can be clothes, it can be shoes, it can be nutrition, it can be hydration, it can be tons of things. It can be belts, it can be gels. It can Something be to help with chafing. Chafing, yeah, it can be, <laughs> and, and absolutely. And so, you know, uh, you need to get out there and, and, and kind of ask questions and rely on folks that, that have those things and have experienced those things to help make your experience a little bit better and make it a little bit easier because, you know, folks, I mean, it's run, runs hard. I always get chafed. I always bonk or I always this or always that. There's stuff out there to make, help you do that. And, and, and you know, the recommendation you might get may not work for you, but you get there's something else that may. So you just, as I said, it's a process of trial and error and sticking with it. And uh, um, be willing to, to fail because, I mean, you know, things sometimes will go really well. Sometimes things will go really poorly, right? Right. And, and how I tuned into what worked for me, what didn't work for me was just I had some races that, man, I just felt awful. You know, I said, oh, I got I got to figure this out. So, you know, we started experimenting around with different drinks and different food. And sure enough, that made all the difference in the world. So, yeah, yeah you're going to fail some. You're going to have some problems. You might even have some injuries. You know, if you got injured, figured out why. Is it, is it an equipment problem? Is it a training problem? Is it a combination of both? And uh, last thing for you, uh, John, is that um, you uh, sent me your, your bio and, and it had a quote from Mother Teresa on there. And the and kind of how you live your life is kind of uh, just to sum it up is do it anyway. Yeah. So um, what does that mean to you or what would you like folks at home to, to know about that? And um, because, I mean, obviously, you know, right now we're living through this COVID-19 pandemic and we all in our life have ups and downs, you know, hills mm -hmm. and valleys and and uh, sometimes the hills are very high. Sometimes the valleys are very low. So how do you, you know, what does that mean to you to do it anyway? Well, I think the biggest thing I take away from that, it, you know, gets back to what I said earlier, you know, be kind. You know, treat people as, as you want to be treated. And so, you know, I'm not saying I, I do that all the time, but I sure try to think about that every time, you know, situations arise where it's challenging and difficult and our emotions get our best of us, you know, try to take the emotions out of the picture and, and try to remember, you know, do the right thing, be kind, treat others the way you want to be treated. And so that's, that's the main takeaway is just, you know, try to do the right thing all the time. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it, John. Thank you very much for your, uh, for your time. And we'll, maybe we'll see you and uh, one of your dogs out there in uh, uh, downtown Columbus or, or maybe on the trail sometime. Yeah, it sounds good. Thank you very much. It was great to talk to Lazarus Lake and also to John Teeples, who is just, you know, so humble and so nonchalant about uh, succeeding, doing so great in these 100-mile races, being just a top-notch, probably the most elite runner uh, here in the Chattahoochee Valley area of uh, West Georgia and East Alabama. A really impressive, uh, not only his running, but also as, as a humble man who, who seeks to be kind and just inspire others to do their best. Turning now to our final segments of this podcast, including Food for Thought, which has some adventure themes to it this time. I found this article in the Oregonian, again out of Oregon. It's called Stepping Out on the Open Road in Faith. And uh, there's a couple, Jacob and Kyla Salmon. They actually sold their house, bought an RV, 
and they're going on an adventure with their three boys across the U.S. seeking God's will. So their first destination is Yellowstone, Wyoming. Then they're going to go from there to the Tetons and Glacier National Park, then maybe head south and southeast, uh, driving through all 48 states, whatever COVID-19 will allow, I guess. And again, you know, when they sold their house, they also included selling their beds and furniture. So they got three boys, ages 7, 9, and 11, who are excited for this trip. And, uh, you know, they realized that the father here in this, in this story, Jacob, transitioned out of ministry and they could homeschool their kids. And so they are quoted by saying, it's kind of go until we're feeling the Lord saying, this is where you're supposed to be, or until we run out of money, whichever comes first. And we wish the very best to Jacob, Kyla, and their three boys on their adventure around the world in an RV. Sounds like fun if you can do it. Uh, on uh, the, the faith and fitness side of things as well, and the Summit Daily News out of Colorado, it's a, a, an opinion piece called Walking Our Faith, the World's Toughest Race by Suzanne Elizabeth Anderson. Now, uh, she just recently said she binge-watched The World's Toughest Race, a new series on Amazon. I'm looking forward to watching that myself sometime. So what it is is a 650-kilometer adventure race where you got sailing, hiking, paddleboarding through jungles and swimming through dangerous waters, rappelling down waterfalls, and uh, maybe not getting much sleep uh, along the way over the course of three days. These, these are elite teams and athletes. Uh, in the end, she said it reminded her of the words of St. Paul, which in 2 Timothy 4.7 says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And uh, she says that the world's toughest race is kind of like a, a symbol for life. You've got the jungles, rivers, waterfalls, and ocean that may be the uh, perfect counterpoint to the kind people of Fiji, which is where all this takes place. She talks about how our toughest race is to realize we're all running the same course. And uh, as competitors near the end, uh, this uh, editorialist says she understood the finish line is not the point at all. The journey, the lessons learned, who we are as people, uh, and, and what we need to create our best lives, that is the true reward. And our last segment, the parting gift, actually is an uh, uh, inspirational quote that uh, John Teeples handed me. Um, and uh, it is from Mother Teresa called Do It Anyway, as we uh, talked about. Um, it says, people are often unreasonable, irrational, and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you are kind, people may accuse you of selfish ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you are successful, you will win some unfaithful friends and some genuine enemies. Succeed anyway. If you find serenity and happiness, some may be jealous. Be happy anyway. The good you do today will often be forgotten. Do good anyway. Give the best you have, and it will never be enough. Give your best anyway. In the final analysis, it is between you and God. It was never between you and them anyway. That's a quote from Mother Teresa no other words needed for that, uh, greatly said by her. Closing out in prayer now, dear God, I just uh, thank you for uh, the life you've given us, uh, blessing us with another day on this, uh, this earth, in this world, Lord God, that we can protect it, uh, we can be kind to each other and be humble and uh, help inspire and motivate each other to do our best as, as John and Lazarus talk about. And Lord God, just uh, help us to, to live a life of adventure. And like God, that you, we know that you want us to live a life more abundantly through you and not just a, uh, just kind of going through the cycles of life and, and uh, just kind of uh, walking through it and, and not really living life. God, just help us to have the energy and spirit to, uh, to chase after you and chase after real life uh, as much as we can. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much again for joining us for this uh, double feature, uh, two interviews on the Run the Race podcast. And if, if you liked it, go to the Apple Podcast. And the very bottom there, there's a place where you can actually rate it. Five stars. We'd love for you to do that if you liked it. And write a quick little review, you know, a couple sentences about things you liked about it. And uh, um, so we, we talk about fitness and faith on a weekly basis on Run the Race. You can find us again on uh, Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Tell your friends about it. Share it using the hashtag Run the Race Podcast. And we hope you uh, will be able to enjoy some adventures very soon. We'll see you on the next one.